0: Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com.
1: And I'm James Evan Palato of MediaMonarchy.com. It's the whole of society that'll get involved in a war, whether we like it or not. We have got that story. Plus, no gaming cartridges for you. But first, federal court declares Trudeau's Emergencies Act use unconstitutional. Fantastic stuff from TNC.news. In a long-awaited decision, the federal court has ruled that measures that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked under the Emergencies Act were unreasonable and unconstitutional. The decision follows an application for judicial review launched by the Canadian Constitution Foundation, Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and several other applicants in 2022 after the emergency measures were used to end the Freedom Convoy protest in Ottawa. The measures controversially allowed the government to Freeze the bank accounts of protesters, conscript tow truck drivers, and arrest people for participating in assemblies the government deemed illegal. The court decision declared that the decision. To issue the proclamation and associated regulations and order were unreasonable and beyond the scope of the Emergencies Act. The court order highlighted that the government's regulations had violated charter rights, specifically encroaching upon freedom of thought, opinion, and expression. Additionally, the Emergencies Act was found to infringe on the right to security against unreasonable search or seizure. It is declared that the decision to issue the proclamation and the association regulations and order were unreasonable and ultra vires. That's, that's the Latin I might be mangling. The Emergencies Act. I'll include a link to ultra Weirs Conservative leader Pierre Poilierve addressed the rulings on the artist formerly known as Twitter, accusing the Prime Minister of breaking the highest law in the land by resorting to the emergency powers. The Canadian Constitution Foundation had initiated a judicial review expressing concerns over what they deemed as a severe example of government overreach and violations of civil liberties, all under, of course, the scandemic. The Trudeau government's use of this extraordinary law may be the most severe example of overreach and violations of civil liberties that was seen during the pandemic. The use of this powerful law was unauthorized because the legal threshold to use the law was not met. The Emergencies Act contains a last resort clause. It can only be used when there is a national emergency and there are no other laws at the federal, provincial, or municipal levels which can address the situation. Parliament cannot use the Emergencies Act as a tool of convenience, as it did in this case. Part of the decision also addressed the special economic measures taken by the Trudeau government to freeze the bank accounts of Freedom Convoy organizers and protesters. Justice Mosley rejected the Liberal government's claim that freezing bank accounts related to the Freedom Convoy under the economic measures represented minimum impairment. But of course it was maximum impairment. The criminals have vowed to appeal, though. Government will appeal federal court's Emergencies Act decision. Deputy Prime Criminal Christia Freeland says she's announced the government's intention to appeal Tuesday's federal court ruling that deemed the use of the Emergencies Act used to disperse Freedom Convoy protesters unconstitutional. James, not unmitigated good news? Indeed,
0: yes. It is a mixed bag, but let's let's parse through it. What do we actually have here? What does this actually mean? Well, uh, the... Essentially, okay, we have a ruling that the Emergencies Act invocation was not justified in this case, and we have, of course, the increasingly, extremely inaccurately named Christia Freeland, ha <laughs> ha telling us that they're going to appeal. Of course, they're going to appeal this, but at any rate, it is here; it's on the record. I would highly suggest people um, read through the 190-page decision that we're going to link up here, um, that goes through all the details of this. But long story, long story short, this is. A summary judgment in four separate cases that have been brought before the uh, federal court here, Um, Canadian Frontline Nurses, Canadian Civil Liberties Association, Canadian Constitution Foundation, and then a bunch of individuals were suing, and you can get the details of this. So what does this mean in terms of what's actually going to happen? Well, stay tuned to find out, essentially. This is just a ruling that applies to all of those cases, but each case is going to get a separate ruling and judgment in each case. And as far as I know, those haven't been issued yet. So we'll have to find out what this means legally. But then again, it's going to be appealed. So at the very least, it will probably be held up in the courts, at least beyond until beyond the next selection in Canada anyway. So am I expecting they're going to throw Trudeau and Freeland and all these criminals in jail and and restore freedom and peace and no, I'm not holding my breath for that but at the very 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 least this does put on the record and in black and white in a judicial declaration. No, you can't just invoke the Emergencies Act because you feel like it's the easiest thing to do. No, no, no. There's a very, very high threshold for this. It has to be literally the last thing you can possibly think of doing in a time of complete insurrection and the the country's about to fall apart. Um, so at least we have that statement on the record. Of course, in the event of the next Emergency, they'll just gin it up and use more false flags and people waving Nazi flags and whatever nonsense they try in order to gin up the false sense of insurrection. If people are completely lost about this, though, at the very least, again, this is a judicial ru- ruling with actual judicial teeth to it, unlike the Public Order Emergencies Commission, the Freedom Convoy Commission that I was talking about earlier, which had no judicial teeth to it whatsoever. It could just make recommendations. Anyway, if people want more information on that background, they can see my uh, work from the end of 2022 on Canada's Freedom Convoy Commission and my work at the beginning of 2023 when they ruled, oh yeah, it was all fine. Don't worry, the Emergency Act was all okay. That was in my uh, podcast on Canada Criminalizes Dissent. And in case you missed it, at the very end of last year, in the Solutions Watch year-end wrap-up, there was an update about the National Citizens Inquiry, which I talked about on Solutions Watch last year, that was doing its non-governmental, non-judicial people's commission, essentially, into what happened. And they issued their findings and their, their judgment and their 900-page report or whatever it was at the end of last year. So I'll include the link into that as well in case you missed it. So there's a lot of reading if you want, if you want to delve into this. But long story short, no, they're probably not going to be throwing these politician criminals in jail. But hey, we've got a little bit of something here at any rate, at least something on the record judicially
1: and that's the thing i like that it puts it it puts it on the record so in decades from now when someone asks why would you distrust the government and someone wants to post a meme of all the reasons i don't trust the government this would be included they were found unconstitutional they at the very least overextended their powers james i think moments after we taped last week's episode talking about South Africa's case against Israel for genocide in Gaza, I think some initial rulings came out in favor of South Africa's case against Israel. I'll have to put some of that in the show notes as well as we get going here on New World Next Week episode 542. James, NATO is beginning its largest military exercises since the Cold War, grabbing this Of course, from Antiwar.com, NATO has launched major war games this week with about 90,000 troops to prepare for a potential they're really excited about conflict with Russia that'll mark the alliance's largest military exercises since the end of the so-called Cold War. Exercise Steadfast Defender 2024 will be the largest NATO exercise in decades with participation from approximately 90,000 forces from all 31 allies and our good partner Sweden. Sweden. Gen- General Christopher Cavoli, NATO's supreme Allied commander in Europe, told reporters The drills, the war games, will take place across Europe and will involve reinforcements. Of course, coming from North America, this reinforcement will occur during a simulated emerging conflict scenario against a near-peer adversary," Cavoli said. Meanwhile, Admiral Rob Bauer, Dutch chairman of the NATO Military Committee, made clear the drills were about preparing for war with Russia. Quote, "I'm not saying it's gonna, going to go wrong tomorrow, but we have to realize that it's not a given that we are in peace." Bauer suggested last year that NATO countries should discuss shifting their economies to a war economy, where civilian factories would start producing military goods just like America did during World War II and said that European societies need to be ready for conflict. It is the whole of society that will get involved in a war whether we like it or not, he said. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022 and NATO threw its weight behind the Ukrainian war effort, the Western Military Alliance has been prepping for the possibility of direct war with Russia, despite the risk of it quickly turning nuclear. Last summer, NATO drew upon plans on how to fight a war with Russia for the first time in decades that were approved at the Alliance's Vilnius Summit. For the first time in 30 years, we have the strategy, deterrence and defense of the Euro-Atlantic area. And we have the plans to make the alliance fit for the purpose of collective territorial defense, Cavoli said. Meanwhile, in other endless war news, the U.S. and U.K. launch yet even more strikes in Yemen as the U.S. They've named their new war. That's how you know it's official, James. The U.S. and U.K. launched more strikes against the Houthis in Yemen as the U.S. military named its new war against the Yemeni group Operation Poseidon Archer. I like that one. That's good. The strikes marked the eighth time the U.S. has bombed Yemen since way back on January 12th and the second time the British joined in. President Brandon continues to order peaceful Democrat strikes after acknowledging they were not working to stop the Houthis and the U.S. is planning for for an open-ended conflict. This war may last for generations, they said, after the catalyzing catastrophic events of 9-11. And here they are. And yeah, your Alexa friend has absolutely nothing to say about it here in the States. Again, they put their little suggestion box, you know, it's a slavery suggestion box. Please please, Santa, I want this and that. But when you come back at them months later and say, hey man, why is your peace guy murdering a bunch of people? It's, it's always crickets, James. Yeah,
0: exactly right, yeah. And so here we are on the cusp of the largest NATO exercise uh, since the Cold War. And what does this mean? Well, I'm going to put on the record, not for the first time, and probably not for the last, but anyway, I think we should always mention it when this comes up. The 1983 war scare, declassified and for real, um, which is a set of documents from the National Security Archive um, that I'll link up for people who are interested about Able Archer 1983. Yes, Archer is one of those terms that they use for these operations. Well, Able Archer of 1983 was one of those operations where they we're doing an exercise, just a NATO kind of exercise that was so realistic and so um, potentially threatening and could have been flipped live at any time that the Soviet Union started arming and preparing for nuclear war. Oh yeah, because uh, it's crazy conspiracy theory when we think about it, but you better believe the military planners know that these types of operations can be used as cover for an actual attack. So you gotta know that this type of provocation is a provocation, a military provocation. And we're already, in case you haven't noticed, in some pretty serious times, geopolitically and otherwise. So any time that the string pullers want to pull out the World War III card, it's on the table. It's already in play. It's just a question of whether or not they go for it. So anyway, I think we should keep that in mind and let people know that these types of operations are much more serious than they might appear at first glance. And uh, on that note, in case you have no idea about the history of that, I'll point you to nine eleven War Games, where I've talked about that before. So anyway, I think that's important to put on the record. And as you say, this is all part and parcel of that generational war that they promised us at the beginning of the, the 21st century. Do you think they were lying? They lie about everything, but not about that. They will keep that promise.
1: James, I played a New World Next Week episode from a decade ago today on my stream where we were talking about this Ukraine war of 2014, where remember Obama and McCain and Biden and all their neo-Nazis and Burisma and all that good stuff. So all those seeds they planted then are all still bearing disgusting fruit right now. (sighs) The New World Next Week sigh. Our third and final story, the wild card story. What are we going to talk about for that third and final New World Next Week story? That's right. Video games. Ubisoft executive says people need to get comfortable never owning games. You'll owe nothing and you'll subscribe forever and be happy, they'll claim. As the gaming industry increasingly leans towards online subscriptions, Philippe Tremblay, Ubisoft's director of subscriptions, that lets you know how much trouble you're in. They have whole jobs and wings of, how can we get people to pay for this crap forever? Philip Tremblay and Ubisoft is a big gaming maker. Ubisoft's Director of Subscriptions argues for the need to accept the absence of physical game ownership for these services to thrive. If you want our new, more restrictive streaming platform we can drop you off of at any time, you really need to support it. Ubisoft has ventured into this domain with Ubisoft Plus Premium and Ubisoft Plus Classics which you would probably own if you had, like, a physical game console or something. Trembly speaking with GI.biz acknowledges the nascent stage of this model nascent? Everything is, EVERYTHING has already shifted to subscriptions. You'll subscribe to a car forever and not own it. acknowledges the nascent stage of this model, noting its expansion, especially on consoles with, of course, the big boys like PlayStation and Xbox, that's Sony and Microsoft and of course trends on the PC front as well. Yet for gaming subscriptions to grow, he believes consumers must adapt to not having physical copies, a shift akin to the evolution from CDs and DVDs to streaming and music and film. This view, however, overlooks significant drawbacks of abandoning physical ownership that we've talked about for 20 years here in the media monarchy kingdom. Firstly, digital-only models raise concerns about game preservation. I know it seems... Partially silly to consider game preservation on the same level as hundred-year-old films that need to be preserved, but that, that's where society has gone. As games become more reliant on digital platforms and servers, their longevity is threatened if, I would say when, those services get shut down. Additionally, a substantial segment of gamers still values owning physical copies as evidenced by the ongoing production of physical copies of games. Trembly's stance also seems to ignore the importance of consumer rights and control. Owning a physical copy of a game ensures access regardless of any changes in company policy or subscription models. James, I was going to go grab a... Maybe a Game Boy cartridge or a Nintendo cartridge and say, see, they can't come cancel this. As long as I've got electricity, I can, I can play some double dribble. In contrast, digital-only models can lead to situations where access to purchase content is lost or altered without the consumer's consent, which we talked about just, what, a couple months ago, James? This approach also risks alienating traditional gamers, but as we have seen in most industries, they don't really seem to care about the hardcore fan base. I, I use this so much anymore. They're like the puppy with the bone in its mouth that looks and sees the reflection of the other puppets like, I want that bone too. And they think they're going to get both. This approach risks alienating traditional gamers and those concerned with game preservation, potentially stifling industry growth and innovation. A related story to this as almost on cue uk high street chain game that's that's the store james (laughs) the uk has video game stores called game and afterwards you can go to the restaurant called food (laughs) uk high street chain game has confirmed that it plans to end pre-owned video game business you can't buy used games there anymore company will phase out its trade-ins over the coming months. Pre-owned games will still be sold in the company's standalone stores while stocks remain. The decision, first reported by Eurogamer, signals the end of a cheaper way to purchase titles valued by many gamers. Sales of physical video games have fallen substantially since game stores' heyday in the early 2000s. James... I remember back in the day, I got a Nintendo. You have a buddy come over, you get a new game for your birthday, and you you beat it that night. My parents, very early on, were like, we're never buying you video games ever again. Luckily, the local video store, I don't know if you had the same thing, all the video stores all started to rent Nintendo and Sega and video games that's pretty much where all of that business went, much to the anger of those gaming companies. Some pretty interesting, of course, legal battles that were fought and, and of course, lost. James, I think speaking of stories we called ahead of time, like talking about the importance of physical media from, from beloved literature of the ages to, to shooter video games. We talked about physical, but jam. Corby, your 2024 trend prediction already came true, man. Fake Biden robocall told Democrats they should skip the New Hampshire primary. They say it was an AI phone call. It just sounds like a soundboard of recordings of words he said before, like that old Schwarzenegger thing back in the day. Fake Biden robocall tells Democrats they should skip the New Hampshire primary, and it is being reported. AI, deepfake, Biden. So, man, you, you called it. You called it in, in 22 days. <laughs> I feel like I knew something was up with Sports Illustrated as well, though. Remember, we talked a few weeks back. Now, Sports Illustrated publisher Gutstaff, Future Unclear. Yeah, the culture warriors will say it's because they put cross-dressers in the swimsuit issue because they all want us to fight with each other instead of looking up above to to fight the the, the real enemy. It shows me, man, they were prepping to get rid of everybody and replace them with AI. The story we talked about several weeks back, I guess back in November, Sports Illustrated busted for having all these weird AI writers and headshots and phony bios. And I think, like a lot of situations that happen, I think it got busted too soon. I think it went public because people inside Sports Illustrated maybe realized what was going on. And as I intimated then, I was like, I don't think these guys are going to last very long. They're going to know who leaked this information from inside Sports Illustrated. And now they just
0: fired pretty much everyone. James? Crazy, 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 crazy. You know, James, I think... Thinking back, probably the first thing I ever got published was a column that I wrote for the local newspaper kind of thing um, for a, a video game review that a video game rental store got me to write for them. I, I, like, And I, it was like NHL 94 or whatever. Anyway, that's going way back exactly in the day. But bad. yeah, I know yeah. about video game rentals. <laughs> and I remember absolutely how important... It was to have those those moments of to, of being able to rent games, of being able to physically share games with friends. Now we are moving into the subs- everything subscription universe, and and we talk about this a lot because it is it is important. We're talking literally, okay, games, yeah, 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 but also the preservation of human knowledge is really on the line here when we start moving into the, the era of all those damn dusty physical books. Oh my God, they're so big and bulky. Why not just put it all on your device and we know where this is going? Also, this is also reflective, this is the instantiation of you will own nothing and be happy. This is literally what Ida Auchin was talking about at the World Economic Forum in 2016, which is the little soundbite that they took that they put on that one video that became that viral meme, the the encapsulation of the World Economic Forum agenda. That's where it came from. Go back to that original talk. You'll own nothing and be happy as in everything will be a subscription service. You won't have any, you won't have a car, you won't have appliances, you will rent everything and it'll be wonderful, right? No, no it won't. I I I want physical possessions and if you don't own it you don't have it, especially when it comes to media. Uh I I I don't really even follow these things, but I hear the people talking about the terrible 4K upgrades that uh James Cameron is doing to his entire back catalog now with the digital noise reduction that's making everything look plastic and garbage and people are upset about it and they're like oh now I got to go back to my old blu-ray that thankfully you know I, I bought several years ago this is the way it's going to go because you're never going to find anything I mean, other than the other than restored and rejiggered versions on all of these <laughs> platforms so anyway it's something to think about and I'm glad you're bringing it back to our attention here
1: well I, I don't remember this scene with of the Hut at all That's I said. My brother bought a bootlegged copy off a street vendor in Manhattan of the original *Empire Strikes Back* because you can't find that anywhere else. Speaking of finding things anywhere else, as I teased last week, yes, indeed, the Corbett Report, Toque, Beanie, Ski Cap, Toboggans are on the store. Hey. And I kind of updated this the store, because I know there's a lot of website updates going on around. I thought I would get into the act as well. You know what else I do? I stream 40-plus hours a week of news and music, and I play the exclusive audio of these brand-new New World Next Week episodes before they are published anywhere. That is after my Thursday morning show. James, I don't know if you've got uh, housekeeping or business, but that is New World Next Week, episode 542.
0: Yeah, well... As people might have noticed, the Corba report looks a little different right now. Yes, I've just launched the first, the second redesign in the entire history, 17-year history of the website, the first one in 13 years. So, as you can imagine, there's a few things to iron out. I'm still frantically working behind the scenes with Harley Abbott, ExpandDesigns.com, who has been wor- we've been working on this for six months now, and and there's still a million things we got to sort out. Once it's sorted out, I'm going to put out a video to show people around the, the new site and how it works and how to use all the Googads and gadgets and what have you and subscribers and how that's all going to work. Anyway, that's coming. I'm working frantically behind the scenes. I know basically from your perspective, it looks like I'm putting out nothing, but (laughs) I'm doing a lot of work. I'm actually working really hard. So please bear with me.
1: Might make you feel better to know that more people were concerned that you died in that recent earthquake than were concerned that your website went down. I think I only got one
0: email. <laughs> me too, actually. I only got one email, but that's because my contact form was also inaccessible. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Anyway, I'm back and have a poke around the website. And of course, let me know how, what works, what doesn't, et cetera. But I, I am working on it and it'll be coming clear in the next few days. For sure.
1: I know Casbot and I were already kind of taking a look, kicking some tires, having some ideas for some tweaks and some fixes for you. So if, you know, again, many hands make light work, as
0: they say, James. I appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you right back. Looking forward to doing it again next week. All right, man. Take care. Take care.